Father, we just worship you and we thank you for the hour that we live in. It's so wonderful to know you, to be filled with the promise of the hope for an outpouring living in a, in a dispensation where we don't have to say why were we born in 2021 or during this season, but thank you, God, that we are. No matter what the perils are, we've been, just like Esther, we've been called for such a time as this to make a difference in our world, not to cower down. Lord, not to despise, but to, but to lift up and to pray for and to, Lord, be intercessors in the earth. And for this end, like the children of old, like the examples of old, like the Esthers, like the Daniels, like those that would stand in the gap, we continue to pray and stand in the gap. And we thank you for our call into revival. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your great grace over our life in this call. Hallelujah. I want to go back to an old prophecy, not too old, but it's one that we shared together last year, and it's one of the 10 uh, blueprint prophecies. So if, you've, uh, if you want to, of course, you can go to our website and look up Intimacy is the hour you live in. So um, some of you have read through this so many times you could almost uh, quote it. And, uh, but um, to give you an opportunity just to turn there. And uh, those of you that are on our website, uh, even now you can go to the, the prophecy section. Go up to that tray in the right-hand corner if you have a smart device. At least that's what it looks like on the smartphone. And uh, just just uh, press there and it'll, it'll take you to prophecies, I believe, or is it, what's the next step? Prophecies? Yep. Uh, you know what? Easier than that, it's on the face page of the, there you go. It's on the face page of the website. As soon as you open up the website, it's right there, Blueprint Prophecies for 2020. So that's easy. And uh, intimacy is the hour you live in is where we want to start off tonight. That's not where we'll end up, but I want to go over this prophecy. Oh, Lord, we thank you. I know I've already prayed, but God, I'm so thankful for revival, for the purposes of the kingdom of God come in fullness. The earth hasn't seen this in centuries, Lord. We've seen flashes of it. But all oh, the kingdom of God coming, it's already here. We know that. That's without argument but coming in power, coming in demonstration, coming where men can feel it and touch it and handle it so that we could write our own gospel, we could write our own epistle after we've lived this life and growing old that we could say the things that we have handled, the things that we have touched in the Spirit. We've handled Him. We've touched Him. He's touched us. We've actually embraced Him in fullness Lord, take us past theory. Lord, there's nothing sweeter than doctrine, but I pray that doctrine will live in reality inside of us. I pray it'll live in power. I pray that it'll live in expression. It will not be just theoretic or theorized in a sense of formulas and amen sermons. But, Lord, that it will live out its days in power 
even in our weakest moments, that the, the, the strength of the doctrine that you've placed within us and the prophecies that are coupled with that doctrine, Lord, that they will, Lord, merge together with strength and power. That Joel's army that we keep hearing about prophetically and we keep speaking about sermon-wise and teaching-wise will come into a fullness. Thank you, Father. This prophecy, the beginning of it, it was given in October of 2019. It led us into... <clears throat> It led us into 2000. But the first paragraph I'll begin reading, it says, Many of you are hearing the cry of heaven, says the Spirit of grace. For I am saying unto you in your spirit, that compass, he identifies our spirit as that compass that's beyond all reason. It's beyond the mind and it's deeper than the intellectual thought. The cry of heaven is for you to come away. Come away with me, says the Spirit of grace. I believe that it's 11 different times in this prophecy that he expresses that particular phraseology, that particular way of saying, come away with me. He's, if you go back to the, the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, it was an intimacy cry, come away with me, my beloved. Come away with me, my lover. And that whole... Song of Solomon is a love affair with Jesus and his church. And he's wanting us to come to a place through this prophecy that we understand that the intimacy that he is wanting to get over to us is so important for how he will be using us. If you'll notice in this, that there's an intermingling in intimacy and intercession in this particular prophecy. They kind, of, they kind of dovetail, they intermingle. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants us to understand is that in intimacy, there is a place of face-to-face -face communication that brings a reality to everything that this is and I'm holding up the word everything that it is lives in that it comes to light in it it comes it goes past theory it comes goes past numbers on a chalkboard or theoretics or just you teaching and saying wow that's a good revelation it's a good revelation all right but if the revelation doesn't take you in power to the next place where you can do something it's a it's a revelation to say amen to in truth but if it doesn't have the umph and the umph is what you you do with it really so he says come away with me but one of the things i want you to see here as we read these next several paragraphs is that he is intermingling or, or marrying together intercession and intimacy i remember pastor dave used to say some things he said once you crawl up on his lap and this is not verbatim but once you crawl up on his lap and get in a place of real closeness that's some of the best times sometimes to ask for something. Not because you are, <laughs> how in the world could you manipulate God anyway? He's always a million miles ahead of you. He knows your heart. But the intimacy breeds an aspect of faith. 
just like tongues brings faith, just like word, hearing and hearing brings faith. But intimacy, you can't get in the same room, you can't get in the same closet with the Holy Spirit that faith doesn't come. So one of the things, too, that we need to realize about where this journey that we're on concerning intimacy and worship, and I said last week that worship was a vehicle to take us into intimacy. I would say that they're very close to the same, but not exactly the same, because worship intimacy, worship will take you to intimacy. But in intimacy, there's a whole lot of interaction, a whole lot of interaction. There's him saying things to you, because if you look at the Song of Solomon, it's a, it's, it's a song, but it's an antiphonal, what would they say, an antiphonal being back and forth. It's one says, one, one sings, and then the other one sings back. So in his presence, in worship, it takes you to a place of intimacy, but in intimacy, you catch his heart, and you catch that place where he, he wants to get over to you what he wants. He wants to love on you, and then he wants to help you express your love to him because you grow in that. Your compassion grows in that. Your love grows in it. And faith, so it's a good intermingling. So if you are in a staunch kind of mentality, a cooker-cutter mentality of like tongues, chop-chop, word, chop-chop, Worship, chop, chop, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and then I'm going to do this. Sometimes, it's, very, it, it, sometimes it's, tr- it's training, and it's important to discipline yourself to get in one place and kind of stay there until you, you know, when we first jumped on this journey 20-something years ago, uh, it was just like, let's see if we can pray an hour in tongues nonstop, you know. And then we beat a tongue, you know, we, 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 went a, we went an hour, and then we went two hours, and we went three, and then, you know, the rest is history. And you learn how to sit, and, or you learn how to go about and do tongues. And then you, you know, you get into confession, and you learn confession, and you learn, the, you know, all the different aspects. And then one of the things that we've, 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 really heard from the Holy Spirit specifically in these last several months or the last year or obviously more than a year now is that he's he's wanting us to go into intimacy but when you're in intimacy when you're with your father because you've grown up we've grown up on this we're not fully I wouldn't say we're fully grown I'd say we've grown up a lot there's no formulas in that you can be in worship, worshiping him and adoration, and I love you, Father, and sometimes tears of love and worship, and then your tongues, and then you catch, like, I don't know, you get a nudge. The Holy Spirit kind of nudges you in the ribs and says, you know, be a, this would be a, just a well of a time, a good time to present that to the Father, or you're, you're face-to-face with Jesus. And you're expressing to him where you want to go and how you want to die and his image to be formed in you. And then he says something to you. And you say something back. And that's intimacy. And then there's intercession. 
Intercession can be, as we understand from the Holy Spirit, it can be tongues of intercession, which is really wonderful, more sovereign than deliberate. And I'm talking about deep groanings. I'm talking about deep groanings, not edification is deliberate, but deep groanings is more sovereign. But I would say as you're in that that place, once you're baptized into that place and you're there, follow him, follow along with him. Uh, It's okay to have a cookie cutter kind of mentality this 30 minutes belongs to this, this 30 minutes belongs to this, and this 30 minutes belongs to that. (laughs) And it's okay. I don't want to even chuckle to say that that's less because I've followed that for so long and I still am to a great degree. But paragraph two, come away with me, my beloved, come away with me, for I must, okay, okay, Father, let's hear what you've got to do. I must woo you into a place of intimacy to have you as the forerunners to this great outpouring. Well, you know, John was the forerunner of Christ. Now, we're the forerunners of this revival. We really are. You keep hearing me say it's now, and then you keep hearing me say it's birthing. Which is it, Pastor? It's both. It really is. Present tense, he said it's too late. It's way too late. It's been released. So it has been released But I see it in a birth canal. I see it as already done. We can claim it. We can actually speak it without lying. It's it's the truth, I believe, the present-day truth to say it is now. And the signs and wonders will catch up. And I hear a lot of people out there that's out in the workforce of revival, and they're saying they're seeing some wonderful things. And I believe it. I've got a witness in my spirit that it is now. I also have a witness that it has to to be brought to fullness, to, to, to full fruition, to fullness, it's going to have to be fought for in a complete manner. He says, we're the forerunners of this outpouring. Will you do it? Will you come away? Will you find the private place and the corporate place to seek me and sit and come away? Now, I want to say this, and I don't want to say this as chastisement, but I want to say it as you know, I, I hope more than people are hit, will hear this other than the ones that are here because most of the ones that are here really want to apply to. And the ones that are watching, you can't hardly fulfill what I'm about to say. But he has said in other prophecies and this one that there's a corporate call for us to pray. Now, there's a lot, most people that come to this church come from... They're like the wise men. They come from afar off. So I understand, and I have to give. I have to give, you know, room for that. But I've asked people, because of what he said, to come and sow on Sunday nights. If you can't drive that far every Sunday night, what about one or two Sunday nights? Now, I don't know why our Sunday nights are, are, are so sparse when we've heard so much about i think i think what it is now this i might be wrong i think what it is is because it just doesn't make sense it's like i can do this at home you know i can just sit and pray in tongues at home and other than what he's told me to do now i've been asking him show me about sunday nights what do you want to do on sunday nights but right now he just it's a prayer meeting 
and it's a confession, but it's a prayer meeting. But you can just as well do that at home as far as praying in tongues. I understand that. But do you have a word on that, Pastor, other than what you believe he's spoken prophetically? Yes, well, we have the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says over 500 heard him say, go, you know, basically, no, it doesn't say that, but I know that it says at one point over 500 heard his last words. Now I'm paraphrasing. Now you know he was telling them, go in, that, that same message that, you know, that you get in Acts 1, 8 and, and uh, Mark 16. He was telling them this is going to go into all the, that whole that whole message was being, that was the last things that he had to say. And he had to say, he just had, he just had to say to that over 500, how, how, how's, how's, how many is over 500? I don't know, it's over 500. I wouldn't have thought it would have been 1,000 or even said it was over 1,000. But over 500 people heard him say, go tarry. Well, it was 10 days. It's about 10 days, the best that I can figure up, that they had to sit corporately and how many of them was there? There was 120. So one-fifth of everybody that heard him, because there was above 500, one-fifth of everybody that heard him logically thought it through and said, I don't know why he wants us to go to Jerusalem and sit and wait. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. I'm not ashamed for doing that, and then I didn't do it in anger. or, or I'm just saying he's asked us to come together and sit and pray. You know, there's word on it. He says here, I'll read that again. Will you find the private place and the corporate place to seek me and sit and come? Will you push back the hours and find room for me and sacrifice time? Will you find the way through my wisdom to steal moments and time to pray and intercede? So here he comes up, he's saying, come away, but we're seeing this word intercede a lot. For I am laying on my church, male and female, young and old, a desire to pray, a desire to intercede, even those who do not consider themselves as intercessors. I know there's a lot of men that do not consider themselves, they think, you know, I'm a, that's for whoever, mostly ladies, they think. But I'm not an intercessor. Well, he says you are. He says we are. All of Joel's army is going to be an intercessors. I'm laying upon you the burden of intercession. For did I not say that my yoke is easy and my burden is light? There's a refreshing in this burden. In other words, we take it. The word burden sounds burdensome. <laughs> it sounds like, ooh, not more of something I don't want, but he's saying this yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light, and this is, there's a refreshing. It actually adds to zest to your life, a blessing. All who take on, all who take it on, all who receive it and embrace it find life, says the Spirit of the Lord. There's a death to the flesh, but a life to the Spirit. So two things are happening simultaneously. The trade-off is beyond measure says the spirit of grace the trade-off is beyond measure seek me find opportunity find excuses to steal away he, you know this is the second time he said that he says find excuses to steal away um 
And in the previous paragraph, he says, steal every moment in time. Find excuses. In other words, as a lover of Christ and as one who wants to cram pack every moment possible, I remember when I first fell in love with my beautiful wife and we were 16 or 17 years old and, you know, 18, they say there's no way to make, you know, you don't make it at 18. Yeah, we have 42 years. So, uh, but when you, you, you know, when you're apart, you find every, and you fall in love, you, you find every excuse Every excuse, you know, because <laughs> you're in love. You know. Candy first was friends with my sister, Deanne, before she saw how wonderful I was. <laughs> but, you know, once we, like, once there was eyes, and then there was, you know, that first kiss, and then, and we were good kids, okay, good kids. But uh, then when she comes over, Mom's like, Brock, would you run the store for a bag of ice? Or can Candy come because she needs to, you know, she, she needs to, you know, she needs to find it for me or something, you know. It's just an excuse. You know, it's an excuse to steal another kiss, you know, in the car or something. It's like you find, you find the time to do whatever you want to do. If you, whatever your passion is, you'll find the time to do it. So he says, find every excuse to steal away and sit with me and pray. So much depends on you. You have not yet realized how much depends on you. You've not yet realized how jealous I am over you. I'm very jealous, very jealous in a godly manner over you, says the Spirit of the Lord. For I have birthed you for this reason. Therefore, like a mother who would protect her children, like a father that would watch over and keep back that which would come in to molest or destroy. My spirit watches over this place and other places where this cry is going out and where ears, spiritual ears, are being able to hear these things, says the Spirit of the Lord. I, you know, I keep getting, trying to get over to you, and I'm trying to be as ginger as possible with it because I know there are people listening that don't even know us. Um, trying to say in a godly manner, how special we are to him without saying we're not, you know, that we're special in and of ourselves. But I'm telling you, I, I said Sunday, our niche, I, this is the only word I can think, our niche, it's a call, okay? But our niche is a supernatural revival. We put in front of that the image of Christ, which has a lot to do with mortification, sound doctrine, Everything that's wonderful about that. But then after he's called us, he says, I want you to receive a supernatural revival. How are you going to do that? You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to do the mixture of spiritual things to bring about the spiritual. You just can't even, you can't, you can't bring this about with the mind or with the programs or with anything that has anything to do with formulas. It has to be intimacy. So because of that, when the Lord finds a group like us that has, by their own elective, and we started going this road many, many years ago by our dear pastor, Pastor Dave Roberson, and other men that were walking with him. But when the Lord finds a hungry heart, and he can pull a group together, you know, you've heard Marty and Gay's testimony, 
they were someplace else many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. And uh, when Gay held that book in her hand, um, Pastor Dave's book, uh, what is it again? Well, the Walk of the Spirit, Walk of Power. I've read it many times, okay? Uh, she, she said, this is it. This is it. I don't, you know, this, I know this is it. I know this is it. And, and so the rest is history, but that's the, that's the testimony of many of us. We knew it was it. We followed it because it has a deliberateness. That's the, that's the, the most beautiful part about this. I can deliberately go to God and receive everything that he said that he was. And I don't have to wait for a formula or some trinket, trinket or a sovereign move. Revival is not sovereign. The sovereignty of God was handed over to the church through Jesus Christ. He, he sovereignly got Christ in the earth. And then after that, he takes the baton and says, you, you, you go, you do, you be, you institute. If you don't institute, it won't be instituted, it won't be done, it won't be proclaimed, it won't be cast down, it won't be uplifted. So he's very jealous over us. I'm not saying he loves us above any of the rest of his church, but I can tell you there's not a lot of church out there, even the ones that love God that are willing to say, I'll give my life for something I can't see entirely, except in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts. And I'll do it without uh, the fanfare of man. And I'll just, and so when he gets some people like that, he's jealous over them. He's like, he'll pretend, he's like, you're my little bunch. And uh, so when he does that, he's like, um, he hedges you in if he can. He really hedges you in. I'm very gentle, he said this, with those I will put on your right hand and on your left bumper rails to cause you to be able to say to know yes to this and no to that because all the things, because all things, though they are lawful, they are not expedient. That's out of the word, Paul said that basically pretty close though many things be permissible they're not expedient to you who are hearing this cry from heaven come away come away come away with me my sons and daughters long after lust lust after that's that's in the word uh galatians chapter 5 it says the flesh lusteth that uh, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh but here he's saying lust after with a godly lust, with a desire that exceeds all desires in this earth, to know me in intimacy. There is a reward for you, not just in heavenly places, in time to come. For there is a reward present tense, says the Spirit of grace, when I wrap my arms around you and use you in intercession. So I hope you're seeing this intimacy, intercession, intimacy, intercession, and to change many things in the days ahead. When you wa uh, watch these things, I will witness to you on the inside. Your prayers did this, or these things. Your prayers opened up an avenue for this one to be healed and for that one to be delivered and many things to be set in the progress of this outpouring. 
you will rejoice. You will be exceedingly glad when others cannot understand your joy. You will be like a mother that gave birth, both male and female. You will understand the joy of giving birth. Early in this chapter, or early in this paragraph, he says, uh, there's a reward for you, not just in heavenly places and time to come, but there's a, re- a, a present tense, or there's a reward present tense, says the Spirit of, of grace. I don't think that we have any idea. I'm sure we don't, because we're walking in a, a flesh suit, and we're up against all the challenges of 2021. I pray that the day will come when we walk out of fog. We're walking, we're, we, we don't realize how much fog we're in. We, we're walking in truth. We're born again, living righteously. But there's still um, much of a fog over our spiritual senses and our, our, our senses of awareness of the spiritual things and everything that he wants uh, us to see in the spirit and also the spiritual things concerning his pleasure concerning where we're going and how that that pleasure causes us to offer more of ourself over to him on a continual basis. And I think that that's part of going into that place of intimacy with him and realizing how much it thrills him, how much he cherishes a life that will give itself over to him in times of prayer and intimacy because that's the only hope really that's the only hope i don't like to use the word chance but if you roll the dice on this in the natural there's very little the only thing that could possibly bring about an acts revival a matthew mark luke and john revival is the supernatural it's the supernatural so we're doing something that is on a natural level it it's there's no way for it to take place. But on a spiritual level, we see the truth of it in the Word of God. And we follow that truth. The reward, Pastor Dave used to say that if, you know, because there, there's coming a time, he said, not just in heavenly places, but now, but there's coming a time where we're, the Word says we'll all, stand between, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that each man may be judged according to the deeds done in his body. So we're all going to stand there. I don't know how that's going to play out with billions, maybe trillions. I don't know. I don't know how that, how that works. I really don't. But I remember Pastor Dave used to talk about how that if you were in line and you stood before him and the masses were watching and you received from him that endowment of your reward. Now, what do you believe the reward is? Well, Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. What I believe that the reward is, I don't believe it's silver, gold. I believe it is, it, those things are, those, those kind of, I know that heaven's made of that, the physical aspects of it. The spiritual, you would say physical, but nobody's going to care about gold or silver there. (laughs) Nobody. It's his endowment to you of his person, his intimacy, 
Listen, the God of all pleasure that knows how to create pleasure and put his presence on someone, he knows how to dial that up. And I believe that even in heaven there is going to be a dialed up, the reward is going to be that place of authority, that place of intimacy, that place of that only Jesus can bestow. There won't be any little and bigs, but there'll just, if you look at somebody, you'll all of the glory they walk in. You won't be jealous, but you'll be so appreciative of it, and you'll think, now that person, they didn't get that here. They, there's no way for them to have got that here. There was no persecution for them to go through. There was no challenge. They never had to claim anything. And he said, you may have that little, little, little guy or that little, that little child because, you know, they grow up there, ta- you know, if it, if it, you know, it's a created scenario. But pull on your shirt, robe, I don't know what we'll be wearing. <laughs> Mister, yes, little one, could you tell me something? Yes. What was it like? I saw how the lamb looked at you when he described what you had gone through and how that you had been faithful and then when he bestowed over on you that glory that you're walking in could you tell me what what was it like for the challenge for you to get to that place that you received and and what because you see mister uh i was a child of war i was a child of famine i was a child of abortion I grew up here. I, I never had any chance of the reward. Heaven's always been great. I've always been in his presence. Never lacked anything. But I would have loved to live on earth just for the sole purpose of being able to I would have even taken the chance to live there and missed God and be eternally judged just for the opportunity to see the pleasure that he just gave you because of what you did for him in the fight. So we're fighting. We're fighting in an eternity where there's a great reward for us, but he's promised a reward even now. And that reward is for us to stand in a place where we're watching all this going on and the Holy Spirit saying, you're, 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 you're the one, you're, you're a big part of this. Without your authority, this would not be taking place. Makes us want to be faithful, doesn't it? Makes us want to be faithful. I've called you. I saw you before you were born, having a timelessness in myself. I desired many, many to go this route, but by your own election, you have chosen. So I come to you with a jealousy. I come to you with a desire. I'm placing that desire stronger and stronger inside of you. It is of your own election. I can't explain that. All Anybody that's born again has Christ in them, in that sense of the word, because they have a new nature. But not all Christians love him the same. They don't. They don't love him the same, that, 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 that agape is placed in there, 
but what they do with it and how they turn it over where they begin to conquer the flesh and love him with a with a passion and want to investigate further than their own lives that's their own election incredible gladness is in front of you in the days ahead says the spirit of grace you will be glad for every moment that you fought back the temptation to quit you will be glad for every moment that you have walked past an an offense that could have diverted you from the right hand or to the left you know when we get there and i know this i know this in the spirit and i believe that you'll agree will not be there five minutes looking in his glory at, out of this fog I, I, for that purpose, out of this um, mirage that we walk in saying this is the reality. No, it's not the reality. The reality is in the spirit. But we won't be there five minutes that we won't be, there'll, all, there'll be another temptation inside of us that, that can't be remedied. It'll just be, it'll, it is what it is. It'll be like, my goodness, I wished, I wish right now that I, that I had another 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 10 more lifetimes. Because if I'd have known it was going to be like this, if I could have somehow lived in the image of this, boy, I'd have gone further and faster and harder spend more hours in prayer, more times in church, more times fasting. I'd have give it all I've got. And there won't be no shame there, but it'll be like, man, could I just do it again? Knowing what I know now, could I do it again? Knowing what, well, is there any way that, yes, intimacy takes you into a place where you see glimpses of that kind of necessity, why it's so important. You will watch people from all walks of life come in and, and be healed, he says. You'll watch the little ones come in and the little ones will be healed. You'll watch people from all walks of life come in and be healed. Yes, the children coming out of the groves, coming out of the pastures, coming out of the places of obscurity. Pastor Dave prophesied that. Exactly like the children coming out of the groves. So that's not only to us here, that's everywhere. Whether or not you have groves orange groves that's not talking about necessarily physical groves it's talking about places all over and obscurities and places all over the the world any place where uh, his anointing is at people coming out from the highways and the byways and the hedges um, you'll watch them be healed and you would trade another 10 years for more of the opportunity to, to give yourself over to the divine intercession, says the Spirit of Grace. Here he has the intercession. Come away with me. Intimacy is the hour you live in. I call you. I call you apart. I desire you as a jealous husband with a godly desire for that which has, he has received, that which has been given him. My Father has given me my spouse bride, and I am very jealous over you. I hold you with the greatest regards. I nurture you wherever I can, and I fill you wherever I can when you give me this. Come away with me. Come away with me, my bride. I 
what we're after is an Acts revival, a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John revival. If the kingdom of God had not already come in the earth, we couldn't ask for this. It's already here. It's present tense. We're believing for that which is to come into fullness, to come into fruition, to come into manifestation, to come to materialize, however you want to say it. The closest that I consider, this is mine, that I consider as a spiritual outpouring that was close to what we're after but only lasted three years was the Azusa Street Revival back in the early 1900s. We watched uh, a number of videos last year concerning the different modern-day revivals, but some modern days, I'm not talking about, you know, even in the 21st century, I'm talking about uh, within the last hundred years or a little plus. But none of them, even the Great Awakenings, First Awakening, Second Awakening, none of them really held to signs, wonders, baptism of the Holy Spirit like the Azusa Street uh, outpouring. And we're going to watch a, a short clip of something just for historical value because I want, you to, I want you to hear this because where they were at, we're going to and far greater because uh, I'll make some comments a little bit and that's not the essence of what I want to say or what I want you to catch concerning why it didn't last. But I'm telling you, the, the one that we're going to receive is going to last, and we're on the threshold of it. Now, the Azusa Street was powerful because I would call it the, um, I don't know how I would say it. It, it is like the Acts chapter 2, baptism of the Holy Spirit in modern world, Okay. The day, it's, it's the day of Pentecost in modern times, okay? Um, if you look, day of Pentecost, great revival in Jerusalem and roundabout. I'll give you a really, 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 really overview. A few hundred years, maybe, of really solid revival. The... Apostles died out. Their uh, understudies carried on. A lot of the power went into the Gentiles in Asia Minor, which is Turkey, modern-day Turkey, the seven churches of Revelation. And then persecution but persecution wasn't the problem the, third, the church always thrives in persecution but with islam uh, same thing happened then as, as now the church wasn't winning souls evangelism wasn't taking place so islam the muslims began to take over um, those not only those those cities and into galatia and into that part of the world um, uh, islam begin to saturate it and then very strongly begin to persecute the Christians. The mass of 
what you call the anointing or evangelism or truth other than down in, in Italy, Rome, Roman Catholics, but the, the mass of it moved up into Europe, uh, Great Britain. But even then, when there was truth there and the truth crossed the sea, the Atlantic, and became America, the America establishment of truth and the awakenings uh, had salvation and they had harvest and they had you know the harvest of souls and some power and and I, no doubt there was baptism but there wasn't the baptism of power and holy ghost and miracles it really wasn't until azusa street that the baptism of the holy ghost boom blows back you know into the earth and really um uh, astronomic form you know in a very powerful way like it did on the day of Pentecost and then uh, the whole world begins to light up with that once again which is very very interesting it makes me also uh, believe that God is going to save America because not only was it birthed for the purpose of evangelism but this is where the modern day um, Pentecost was once again birthed back in the earth in, in, in Los Angeles. Isn't it amazing how some of the most wicked cities are the places where God has fell? But I'll tell you what, I believe uh, Mario Morello and the Holy Ghost are going to take California back over. <laughs> I really do. Hallelujah. So let's watch this, and then we'll have another real short one after this. Revival meetings at the little mission found at 312 Azusa Street were always powerful. Tonight would be no different. The atmosphere overflowed with great excitement and expectation. Everyone could sense that something powerful could happen any moment. A curious black teenage boy named Thomas enthusiastically climbed to his feet atop a wooden bench. The rough redwood plank bowed underneath the combined weight of the 15-year-old, as well as a dozen others who had crammed themselves onto the bench. The ceilings of the apostolic mission, they hung low, so low that the second floor joys could be easily grasped with uplifted hands. Well, that was especially true from atop the makeshift pews that sat on the dirt floor. This was the vantage point that Thomas now found himself in. Tonight, space inside was limited. Well, Thomas imagined that there must have been 200 men and women packed downstairs in the mission that used to sit right behind me. A handful more were on the streets watching through the windows. A large crowd inside made the room hot. The smell of dirt and sweat had filled the air, but Thomas didn't mind. The service itself never actually started. It was more or less a continuation of the previous one. Officially, the mission had three services a day, but they all blended into one another. Morning, noon, or night, the doors were always open. Hungry believers could be found waiting on the Lord. When Thomas had entered the building that night, several were testifying, one after the next. Folks throughout the room, they stood to their feet, enthusiastically telling about how they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how they had been healed or saved. As Thomas listened, a short man from a Mayan tribe, he stood up and began to testify in his tribal tongue. His testimony was interpreted by a friend who accompanied him that night. He shared how he came to Azusa and how he heard a German woman preaching the gospel to him in his own language. He was astonished to hear somebody speak so fluently a tongue that he alone knew. She didn't know what she was saying. She was simply speaking in tongues, but what she said was for him alone. He was at once convicted and surrendered his life to Jesus that very night. He jumped up and down, shouting the only words in English he knew. He said, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. 
Thomas watched as the excited little Mayan ran across the room and laid hands on a sickly looking woman. She'd been suffering from tuberculosis. Immediately, she felt the power of God go through her body and was instantly healed, jumping to her feet. She picked up the testimony where the little Mayan had left off. The excitement was contagious. Spontaneous praise broke out in the meeting. Some shouted amen, others prayed in tongues. After a few minutes of rejoicing, the testimonies continued. This was Thomas's favorite part of the meeting. Everyone was treated as an equal here at Azusa. Anyone, regardless of race or age, could be used of God at any time to share a testimony or bring a song or even the message. No one directed the service. At best, William Seymour, the pastor of the mission, sought simply to steward and facilitate what the Holy Spirit was doing. Seymour himself, he was a devout man of prayer, who for the last hour had been sitting opposite of Thomas, partially hidden behind a wooden pulpit. This pulpit wasn't fancy, it was just two wooden crates fashioned together, and Seymour would often sit behind that pulpit with his head tucked inside the top crate. The testimonies, they came to an end, and a reverent silence fell across the room. It lasted for several minutes. Seymour quietly removed his head from the crate, and he called for those in attendance to sing in the spirit. A black middle-aged woman began to sing. The room was filled with the sound of tongues as more and more joined along, and the sound of heaven began to enter into the room, all in a harmony with one another. The sound was out of this world. No one sang the same words, yet the song itself seemed as if it was directed from heaven. The whole mission came alive with the manifest presence of the Lord. Thomas perked up. He knew that when the saints all sang together, that the power of God would manifest. He pulled himself up to his tiptoes, leaned forward from his bench, his eyes fixed solely on Seymour. And then he began to look across the room. The atmosphere was heaven on earth. That's when he noticed the cloud throughout the room. The whole place was filled with smoke. A visible, physical cloud. This wasn't the first time that Thomas had seen it. The saints called it the Shekinah glory. Many claimed to see it every time they came into the mission. It never left. Sometimes it was merely a mist. Other times it would be so thick that you could lay down in it. It was during these times when the glory was so noticeably present that the greater signs and wonders would take place. Tonight, as Thomas watched the cloud, he knew this was going to be one of those nights. The sound of singing began to lull and Seymour moved to the opposite side of the room. There a section of people suffering from all kinds of physical problems were seated. He raised his arms toward them and boldly said, you wanna see a miracle over there? Every one of you in a few minutes is going to be up and walking in the name of Jesus. It didn't take minutes, it was instant. Thomas couldn't believe his eyes or his ears as he heard the sound of bones snapping and cracking back into place. It was just as Seymour had said, everyone was healed in one moment. How could they not be? They were standing in the Shekinah glory. They were literally breathing the atmosphere of heaven into their lungs. It would have been impossible to remain the way that you came. That night, Thomas had a front row seat to the miraculous. Like so many nights at the revival, it was an encounter that he would never forget. You know, today there are over 600 million Pentecostals around the earth. Every single one of them can trace their roots back here to 312 Azusa Street. Though the building no longer remains, the fire that started certainly does. And that fire has spread from Los Angeles all over the world. Just as it was in the days of Pentecost, so it has been in the days that followed Azusa. The fire is impossible to contain. It spreads and transforms everything in its wake. Those who wish to find it need only humble themselves and come before the Lord. You know, that was the message woven through every part of Azusa, including the building. The mission used to be an old two-story church that had been constructed by a Methodist Episcopal church. Their sanctuary was on the upper floor while the lower floor was used to stable the horses of the congregation. However, when the area went into decline and transition, the church moved in search of a more desirable location. 
they renovated the old sanctuary, turned it into apartments, and the first floor they still used for storage in a stable. By 1906, the building had fallen into disrepair. It was listed for sale. Seymour leased the building from the church for $8 a month. He chose to put the revival on the bottom floor. There, an old stable would be used to host this fledgling move of God. You know, the following was written in the Azusa Street newspapers called The Apostolic Faith. It said, it's been said that the work of Los Angeles was born in a major and resurrected in a barn. While many were praising the Lord for this old barn-like building with the old plank-sided building and, and the old sawdust floors were there, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, God certainly loves visiting humble stables. 2,000 years ago when he stepped out of heaven, he came to earth. He didn't look for a palace, he came to a stable. Anyone and everyone was welcome to seek him, from the simple shepherds to the wealthy wise men. The same could be said of people who came to Azusa. They came from all walks of life, denominations, races, occupations, social classes. They were all welcomed into Azusa. The only requirement was that you come in humble unity. Today, the Spirit of God is bypassing many because they're too full of self to be filled with anything else. Pride and selfishness, it blinds and it binds the saints from experiencing the outpouring that comes upon humility and unity. We need to learn the lesson of 312 Azusa Street. There a building that was once a stately church had to become a humble stable before the glory of the Lord would descend. You know, the original congregation, they abandoned the building in, better, in search of better surroundings. But little did they know that what man found unattractive, God found irresistible. Perhaps that's the key to seeing God move today. He's not looking for another place but a position. People wonder, where has the cloud gone? Why does revival tarry? Well, my friend, as long as we remain separate and selfish, the Spirit of God will remain separate from us. What we need to do is learn to walk together once again in unity. Imagine the shift that takes place when our churches and our cities come together in a united common cause and a common voice. Psalm 133 says that God has commanded His blessing to come upon such a unity. Where's the cloud today? Why has the promised blessing tarried? Is it a lack of churches within our communities or is it a lack of unity within our churches? We certainly have no shortage of churches, but we are severely lacking in revival. If God promises an outpouring, perhaps it's time we start taking down the walls, kneeling in the dirt and the sawdust with our brothers. God's not looking for another church, my friend. He's looking for one church. I wanted you to see that. Some of you had seen it before, but it didn't, uh, not that, but, but knew about Azusa. Um, it lasted for three years. This one's going to last till he comes. It was uh, at a place. This is going to be a distribution of his glory all over. It's going to be a presence, not just in the church, but all over. It's a jolt. Now, this is very close. Uh, we're going to see one more clip of something. I'll, I'll warn you in advance, these are not professional actors, but they're giving a number of testimonies. They're acting out a number of testimonies uh, that took place during the Azusa Street meetings. I want you to catch this. I can't verify by name uh, these testimonies. I do believe these type of things took place because they took place in the revival in the book of Acts. The Azusa Street, um, God bless them, they were pioneers. So we have to, we have to appreciate uh, part of their demise was they didn't know how to structure um, 
the revival as in stewarding it properly. Um, it's one thing to want to, to let God... Well, let me say this. One of the things that you see out of the, out of the Azusa Street is very close, not, not exactly, but very close to um, the prophecy of the book of Joel. And what we keep saying is that everyone is going to be used. And that's exactly right. He wants to get past. He wants everyone that is engaged. I mean, truly walking in. It's not going to jump on you just because you're, you know, you walk in the church and you're, you know, half backslidden and you could care less. But anybody that's engaged, he will, he will use you in a very, very, very powerful way. And it's very close. The, the, the uh, Azusa Street revival was very close to that because so many people besides William Seymour was being used. The only thing is they didn't know how. Uh, because of not having years, we, we have not arrived, but I think, I think one of the things that we thank God for is that what we saw, and we're still in the process, we have not arrived, but we're, what we saw for decades is the importance of doctrine, and it still holds just as much a place in us as ever, but they did not have uh, decades of doctrine, and so because of that, um, there was a lack of understanding of what leadership is for. Leadership is not to, not to stifle, but it is to guide. So what you would see from what I've read, from what I understand, you would see a lot of people coming and a lot of people wanting to stand up, express themselves, give testimony. And, and, and the leadership, uh, Brother Seymour, so much didn't want to disrupt what God was doing uh, that a lot, a lot of things I think at times were, were allowed. Uh, because l- here's the thing, um, and we have prophecy on this. And one of our prophecies, the Lord said, in the days ahead, it, when the revival is raging, you're going to have, he didn't use the word charlatans, but he said there will people come in that, that they will say, uh, give me this, uh, like Simon the sorcerer, they'll want to, to buy it, or they want to manipulate it, or they want to, you know, here's the thing, there's, in Christendom, there's a lot of weird people, might as well say it, and if you can't turn the floor open to just let everybody come and go and do and be, and that's called pandemonium. The fivefold is always supposed to structure something. In other words, I hope you don't think revival just means everybody's going to be just, you know, you know, I got something, I got something, I got something, I got something. It'll, you'll, you'll have something. If you have something, it'll be orchestrated and it'll be, it'll be directed by uh, the leadership. And that, one of the things he said is that you elders will be a firewall too. And you grown-up ones will be a firewall in the spirit. But... Um, I think as we watch these, and we got one more, and it's only like four or five minutes, but it's kind of, uh, it kind of gives a reality of what was going on there and what will be going on um, in the revival that will be raging. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be. It may be decades, but it's, I believe it's going right up to the time of Christ. Amen? So this is what we're fighting for, these kinds of miracles, okay?
And he looked at y'all and said, y'all want to have some fun like we did about a year ago when the man's leg grew out? He said, well, we're going to. And he laid his hands on his shoulder. Brother Garcia looked down and said, Brother Tommy, I could look down into that hole in his shoulder and see the bone. He said he started praying for it and said all of a sudden the bone started growing out in about four inches. The flesh started growing around it. And he said, I said, there were, it took only seconds for him. It was slow motion. And he watched it as it just grew out. And he says, then he watched his, the fingernails appeared all of a sudden. This man, his chin dropped down to about here. How he ate, I don't know. And, and, and even those people at Azusa told me they didn't know. But they started praying for him. And then you could hear bones popping and, and his chin started coming back up. And with just in a few minutes, he was normal. And, and, and Lucille said he was really kind of attractive. She had come to Azusa Street. Sister Carney saw her come in with a, a bloody bandage over her ear. And she said, you could see she was in tremendous pain. So she went up to her says, to minister to her. And she told her what had happened. She said she pulled it back and said, Tommy, it looked like a raw piece of meat. There was nothing there, just a raw piece of meat. Well, she started praying for it, and the woman said, oh, oh, I feel tingling, and the pain's all gone. The pain is gone. So she said she yanked it back and looked, and right before her eyes, that was her first creative miracle. She said, that ear, a brand new ear. He said he had a big handkerchief hanging down over his stomach, and it didn't smell too good. When he came up and asked the man, he said, what is your problem? He said, well, he told him, he said he picked up the, is a, and looked under and he says, his entrails just hung out. Hung down on his side. And he says, so he put the, 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 the flat back down and put his hand on it and started praying and he could feel his hand going in. And all of a sudden he says, there was no one. So he just grabbed it and put it back up. There wasn't even a hole. It just closed up. It right closed in up. His, his entrails went back into his stomach. And it closed up. He got closer and realized the man was blind. Stone blind. So he had more compassion. Went up and says, what did you come here for? He says, well, the people are telling me people, it's just, people come in here and, and they get healed. He said, I want to be, I want my eyes healed. Okay. He said, okay, let's pray. Let's pray. He prayed for the man. His eyes got healed. Even the stench of alcohol left. And Later on, through the Midwest, he had great revivals with the Assemblies of God, even my hometown. He established a church there, had hurt his leg in a football game, and he had it in a cast. Well, when I was speaking, I had him come down and sit in a certain area, and I said, now you people up there, you pray. And I said, I mean you young people, as well as these older ones. You pray, and if God tells you to go need you to go pray for somebody, obey, go down and pray for him. Well, this little girl got up and she looked about 10, but she was 13. She walked down there and laid hands on this man. And all of a sudden he started jerking and he went to get the cast off. They busted this cast off and he started dancing around the church. It took me a while to get him to get that little girl over to me. Everybody was going crazy. And I said, sweetheart, how old are you? She said, 13. I said, did you know you can do this anywhere, anytime? She took puzzles, she said, anywhere, anytime? I said, 
Yes. Sid, she went to her school and she was the, what we call the towel girl. Right. You see these little girls handing to, okay, the quarterback got injured bad. They had him up on the gurney. She walked up to him and says, I believe in divine healing. I believe if I pray for you, you will be supernaturally healed. Would you like for me to pray for you? She said he grunted out a yes. She laid hands on him and prayed for him. He got healed. He got up in the next play. It was him out there playing. The lights. Would you get turn them on? Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's where it's supposed to be. That we're going to be laying hands on the sick wherever we're at and seeing them recover. And, you know, here's the, here's the deal with me. And I believe it is with you, too. Um, well, let me read this. You, you don't have to turn there, but this is, this is the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch... And the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified him. And the believers were more added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women, inasmuch as they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Now, when Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do also and greater, I mean, we don't even see, I mean, they brought, it was like, if we can't get an appointment with him, we'll just get close to wherever he's at. Now, that's revival. That's the power. And there came also a multitude out of the cities. Now, not just in Jerusalem, but then there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folk and them that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. They were healed every one. Glory be to God. This revival is supposed to be a revival where they get healed every one. Now I am, and I believe this is about you, I'm an, I don't know what you, I'm an abs, absolutist, I guess. To me, it's either, to me, it's either all true or none of it's true. If it's not, if if we can't have this, then I, 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 I doubt all of it. Well, you shouldn't do that. That's awful. No, it's either all true or not true to me. I mean, I, it's either one way. I'm just a black and white in that way. It's either one way or the other. Are you there yet? No, but it, to me, it's black and white. It's either all of it's true and we can have all of it, or I just I don't even know if I'm saved. Because every bit of it's got to be true or none of it true. Now, you've heard this one, but this is what we're fighting for. Do you believe it's true? Oh, oh my. I'm giving my life for it, just like you. This comes from um, it's an excerpt from Smith Wigglesworth, The Secret of His Power by Albert Hybert. 
and it's his own, uh, on that book, that particular p- book, it's on page 33 and 34. But I wanted to, to read um, this rather than relate it like I have a few times before. But in this book, uh, he writes about this. And he says, while staying in the home of a uh, curate of the local church in England, Wigglesworth and the curate were sitting t- Sitting, talking, sitting together, talking after supper. This is real small, teeny, teeny print. No doubt, the subject of their conversation was the poor fellows. The poor fellow had no legs. Artificial limbs in those days were unlike the sophisticated limbs of today. Wigglesworth said to the man quite suddenly, in parentheses which he often did when ministering in cases like this. Go and get a pair of new shoes in the morning. Boy, I wish I could say it like he probably said it. Man, I bet it was dripping with anointing. <laughs> it just, but it was a matter of fact to him. The poor fellow thought it was some kind of joke. However, after Wigglesworth and the curate had retired to their respective rooms for the night, God said to the curate, Do as my servant hath said. What a designation for any person, my servant. God was identifying himself with Wigglesworth. There was no more sleep for the man that night. He rose up early, went down downtown, and stood and stood waiting for the shoe shop to open. The manager eventually arrived and opened the shop for business. The curate went in and sat down. Presently, an an assistant came and said, Good morning, sir. Can I help you? The man said, Yes. Would you get me a pair of shoes, please? And the man said, Yes, sir. What size? And he says, Size and color. The man hesitated. The assistant then saw his condition and said, Sorry, sir, we, we can't help you. It's all right, young man, but I do want a pair of shoes, size 8 and color black. Why he chose that, I don't know. The assistant went in to get the requested shoes, and a few minutes later he returned and handed them to the man. The man put one stub into a shoe, and instantly a foot and a leg formed. Then the same thing happened with the other leg. He walked out of that shop not only with a new pair of shoes, but also with a new pair of legs. Wigglesworth was not surprised. He had expected the result. He often made remarks like this. As far as God is concerned, there's no difference between forming a limb and healing a broken bone. Amen. Well, you know, as far as God is concerned, there's no difference between growing out an arm or a leg than healing the flu or healing a headache. It's the same thing. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. He lived in a place uh, of not emotion. He, I don't know what his phrase was, but he said emotions are... <coughs> concerning faith and getting things done emotions are way overrated that's our modern way to say it but he he was like 
He was not a man given to emotion. If he probably was standing here and preaching, uh, it may not move you. But he walked in power, extreme power. There's a great devoid, a great, great chasm between emotion and power. And power is just raw power that comes from his presence, but it has a lot to do with face-to-face. When you look at Smith Wigglesworth, you see that he was a man that stayed continually in the presence of God. Now, there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. And this is where he said in that prophecy, and in in the, in the, I didn't bring it out or didn't say it, but um, the Lord was saying, come away with me. Oh, What he said was, um, I'm very gentle with with those. I put on your right hand and on your left hand bumper rails to cause you to be able to know yes to this and no to that. Because all things, though they are lawful, they are not expedient. Though though, Though many things might be permissible, they're not expedient. To you who are hearing this cry from heaven, come away, come away, come away with me, my sons and daughters. Long after, lust after, after that with a godly lust, with a desire that exceeds all desires in this earth to know me in intimacy. This is the the hard part about revival. It's, It's not hard once you enter into it. But to understand this part... That he's, why is he so jealous? Because once you begin to give him and he begins to see that out of you, and then you've got really the potential to do this, to grow out arms, to grow out legs, to get little children out of wheelchairs. Then you go into and it's self-induced. Here's the, here's, here's the thing. It's a self-induced. You do it to yourself. You can, you can I tell you this? Is something you already know? <laughs> Let me tell you this. Let me be quite honest with you. Those of you that are listening, those of you in here, you can go to heaven on a lot less walk than what we teach here. Okay? A lot less walk. As long as you don't do the uglies and do them long enough and consistent enough, you can just be real careless, like you can care less about revival, about intimacy, about fasting, about praying. We're teaching the gold. We're teaching the gold standard. What we're teaching here and what we're asking, what he's asking of us when he talks about uh, many things are permissible, it was just the same thing that the Lord was saying Sunday. Watch every opportunity. Watch every um, open door. Watch every promotion, watch all, watch, it's not just in moral things, but it is in everything in life that for us that are revivalists, he doesn't ask us to walk above the word, we don't have to create our own laws, but he's asking us to live in a standard that is in a standard that I would say most of the church doesn't have any idea of as in prayer as in fasting as in going forward with god and he's saying for us to do that for us to 
for us to have the Azusa that goes on, for us to be the Smith Wigglesworth, and there's going to be a lot of you, male and female, that see that take place. Things that are acceptable, like you can get by with. In the, I'm not talking about things that will send you to hell. I don't even know exactly what thing exactly to put on that. But I'm saying where most of the church lives, a lot of... You know, as long as they don't defile the blood and do the nasties that just destroy the light, they're going to make heaven. But we're not trying to make heaven. This, this, this call is not about making heaven. We're talking about joining arm in arm with Jesus to receive a spiritual outpouring that is of a gold standard. And with that, he's expecting more of us. What is expedient, what, what, is, what is permissible for most of the church, it's not permissible for us. We, we, teach a, we teach a standard that it's not above the word. We teach the word, and we try to teach the fullness of it. I'm sure there's parts that I'm not, and we're going to get there, because I'm not going to stop praying in tongues and fasting and going forward. But you can get to heaven on a lot less walk than what we teach. On a lot less. But you can't have revival with anything less. And it's got to take a bunch of people that will say, Yeah, you know what? My so-and-so brother or sister from that other church, <laughs> they'd laugh at the commitment that we're asking for. Because, you know, uh, they go to church every Sunday morning for a um, they catch the early service. The early service is not so that you can have more of power, uh, you know, and, and get more saved and get more filled with the Holy Ghost. It's, normally, it's a convenient service. It's a one-hour convenient service, so you can have the rest of Sunday to do what you want to do. And that just, that just man, I mean, I, I can't... That I like, I mean, the flesh loves that. But we're teaching a standard that you know. I don't know what your deal is. I don't know what he says to you. But for each of us, it's that place where we go into intimacy and he's saying, come away with me, come away with me. Will you lay that down? He can't. Will you lay that down? That, that's, that's not going to send you to hell. It's just going to keep you from having the fullness will you give me more of that that's not going to keep that's not going to send you to hell i'm not going to not love you any 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 more or less but i i will come to you as a intimate partner with revival and share my communion with you if you'll if you'll do this hallelujah amen i want to see i really have a craving to see those uh arms and legs grow out I really do and I do you believe it I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't okay and like I said Sunday I believe it and there's a part of me that isn't a challenge but I'm I listen I am I am challenging that giant I'm not laying him I'm not letting him lay there dormant and say he's there and I don't know what I'm challenging him the one that says I don't know you know if that can really happen this that giant is under duress. He's, he's being, there's pressure being put on him through fasting and prayer. And so 
Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for coming. Let's all stand. I hope you got something out of tonight. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory. Revival is now. And those things that happened in the book of Acts, those things that happened in the Azusa Street, they are going to happen in Immokalee, and they're going to happen wherever you're at. We love you, and God bless you. Amen.